one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From Justice, this week Edwina's back on the road. Yes, so I'm on my travels again. This time I'm off to the North Midlands, to Drake Hall Women's Prison. I'm here for a walkabout and to meet the Governor, Carl Hardwick. Some people who have been in bang-up prisons for a long time come to Drake Hall and it completely freaks them out. I can't say anything else. Mm. There's not many prisons that on a Thursday evening in June you're sitting outside with your friends on a picnic table at 7 o'clock at night having a chat. Today, Edwina's on the road as she goes behind the gates at Drake Hall Women's Prison in Staffordshire. Hello, Edwina. How are you? Good, how are you? Nice to see you. Good to see you. I'm Carl Hardwick, Governor of Drake Hall. Uh, Joined the prison service 21 years ago because I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I'd previously worked, I'm a Mormon, uh, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, and I was always working with the youth within the church in the Birmingham area. And some of those youth came from Solihull and had everything, and some of them came from Aston and Lazelles and had nothing. And I sort of recognised that you could work with all groups and make life better. And I got married, and my wife wanted greater security of income because I was an antiques dealer beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, I joined the prison service to make a difference in young people's lives. And that's been really a theme throughout my career in the prison service. And here at Drake Hall, my passion is making it better for the women here who've had a lot of horrendous experiences. So that's why I'm here as governor. And before we go on to talk more about the women, you've also governed male prisons, haven't you? I've governed um, male prisons, young offenders at Brinsford and children Um, which has a great deal of similarity, uh, children in custody in the young people's estate. That's 15 to 17-year-olds. Right. Yeah. We're talking about sort of trauma today and the impact of trauma. Can you explain a little bit about what Drake Hall was like a few years ago before you started doing the trauma training with One Small Thing and where you see your sort of prison today? Okay. I think the difference really is staff's the staff's approach to prisoners and the moment all prisoners will have their moments of highs and lows and understanding those highs and lows and what causes those highs and lows is the key thing now prior to that I have some staff who were always brilliant 
and probably understood trauma, but not been able to put a, a real tab on it. But then I had a lot of staff who just dealt with the issue, dealt with the moment where a woman is kicking off or very low in mood, perhaps self-harmed, uh, and only dealt with that microcosm of time in that woman's life. Now, because of the trauma-informed training that's gone on amongst all my staff, and I've got a really high percentage of staff who have been trained. What percentage, roughly, would we're you say? We're at 94%. Okay. Just, we've had some new staff arrive, yeah. so that's why we're not absolutely there. But after the next training session, we'll be at near enough 100% again, yeah. which we're, what we want to maintain. And having that approach, they deal with the issue that causes that moment in time. And that's the key, really. So why do you think it's taken this long for us to recognise? Because I feel we're still on the cusp of really understanding why trauma and its and the impact that it has should be at the forefront of all of our services, actually, where it be it mental health services, addiction services, how we run prisons, of course, how we run hospitals, schools and police. You know, it's about being human, so it, it's um, relevant to all of us. But... I would have thought in the prison service of all places we should be understanding where violence comes from well, I think and how it manifests itself. So why, why do you think it's taken so long? Because we've been very focused on the operational dealing with that violence and stopping it escalating. And we think we've done a good job because we've stopped it escalating. And that is a good job. But yet but you really haven't got we to the root. We haven't got to the root of it. And... Understanding the root of it is the absolute key component. Yeah. So what changes have you made in Drake Hall? Like what sort of little examples can you give of, you know, because these aren't sort of big revolutionary ideas. No, no. So what have you done here that have made well, an impact? Well, it's just, it's just from the very start of the journey. So a woman arrives at Drake Hall. Prior to that, you'd arrive and you'd, ha- you'd be in a holding room, <laughs> which was literally a holding room. Nothing in there. Uh, loads and loads of notices about firearms and discharging and don't bring drugs in and this place is if you have violence perpetrated against you do this mm, and if you're bullied yeah do that report this really feel great. And, and actually you arrive as a woman and you're just bombarded with all these very very negative messages well actually what we've done now is we've completely changed that starting point uh it's a room with pictures what um sort of mindset do you normally find that in when they um change heightens the nerves of every woman um, and one of the things about Drake Hall because it's very open and they're not escorted everywhere some people who have been in bang up prisons for a long time become institutionalised so we'll have a lot of women who've say done four or eight years at other female parts of the estate come to Drake Hall and it completely f- freaks them out I can't say anything else mm. they want to transfer back they cannot take the freedoms. You know, one of the requests I get on the induction talks is, how long is it before I can transfer back to wherever? Right. And I always say, well, you have to give me a month. And in a month's time, you can come find me anywhere and ask for that request. And I get very, very few who do request that. Right. Because they get they, there's not many prisons that on a Thursday evening in June, you're sitting outside with your friends on a picnic table at seven o'clock at night having a chat before you go back to your own room with your own key Mm. that is completely different absolutely carl took me over to see some of the accommodation during world war ii drake hall was used to house female munitions workers 
This is Plymouth and Richmond, which is our worst accommodation. Um, and what we've done here is we've given the women and the staff the, the design. So they've got the ba basic blank canvas of what was pretty bad accommodation, but they've made it far better. Um, since the women have taken ownership of it, we've gone from an average of four assaults on these houses a month, mm. leading up to the period where the investment was made to zero. Yeah. It's not as bad as I was expecting <laughs> from what you said. It was really horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I can't describe it as anything else. I'd like to play bulldozed. You know, that's the reality of it. And, you know, we were very excited about it being knocked down. Mm. You know, staff prisoners everybody was excited we had prisoners on the design committee you know working with the architects giving their feedback yeah. and, and everything and we've still got those and they're still there ready to go so it's just a moment of waiting for, for that to happen right and it'd be really good if it did this is where you arrive on the bus from another prison and you arrive at drake hall and you go well this is really different you know there's flowers there's roses if you go into reception itself You'll see there's no bars. And a woman might have been taken from closed conditions, so a bang-up prison, into what they call the sweat box, uh, the, yeah. the prison van. Prison van arrives here. And it's trees and rural. And yeah, and very, very different. And, you know, it, it just is, this is a fresh start, and that, that's the message that we want to get through, is yeah. that you arrive here and this is a fresh start. If you look in here, I mean, this is a, a reception. Most receptions are pretty austere places because it's, your first front line, but here, welcoming in many languages, mm. poppies and decorations on the wall. The actual room itself has got pictures and a TV screen and soft furnishings, no bars, because actually it's a point where we're going to trust you. You know, it, it's a completely different mm. way of an, an approach. And those and then, initial messages are so important, Yeah, I guess. and then, you know, accept what it is, let go of what it was, you have faith in what it will be, you know, just simple messages out exactly. there of so hope quotes, and it's about hope quotes painted on the walls with buddha yeah and but then we, we use these as well sort of um pictures lots of pictures of women who have successfully completed a journey at drake yeah. hall with quotes of what they've done and what they've achieved and that's really important that people see that there is a a definitive journey through the prison how many women a day or a week might come through this reception area Ins and outs, uh, probably about 30. The prison used to be designated as semi-open, but is now a closed prison. But there is an open unit outside which prepares women for release. Carl says they still maintain an open prison ethos. That's the journey we want women to take, mm. is come into this from the closed, bang-up prisons to a more open environment, prove yourself that you can live within the rules and then live completely independently in preparation for release. Yeah. And that's the journey we want them to take. And, and how important is architecture to you as a governor? Because, of course, you inherit, uh, you know, you get given a prison. Yeah. You don't, uh, you have little control over the architecture itself. But, of course, there are some changes you can make. 
Yeah. So how important is that piece to you on, on the sort of trauma that these women have um, suffered? Okay, it's massively important. I'm very fortunate at Drake Hall that I have an environment that has gardens and grass between every unit and the women walk in that environment yeah, on a daily really basis. Yeah, it's really beautiful when you walk in, the yeah. flowers and Absolutely. the sort of potting shed we walk past and yeah. something like that. It's yeah. all flower pots anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all, all that is incredibly important. We also have a horticulture department that grow a lot of food that goes into my diet because diet is really important as well. Mm. Sense of pride with that. But the environment is absolutely key. And what sort of women end up at Drake Hall? Because obviously in that first 24 hours, you're extracting a lot of information from them. So what what are some typical backgrounds? Currently, 35% of the women from the West Midlands conurbation. So Birmingham, Warsaw, Wolverhampton, Dudley. About 12% from the East Midlands and the rest national. So you could be from Durham to Cornwall. The women with, that we get here, because they've come from another prison, will be serving somewhere between 18 months and life. So that's quite so, long for women, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of women who are doing four and eight years, and then we have about 17, 18 lifers at the moment. And what sort of trauma histories would you say is typical? I know there'll be a range, but... Okay. From just anything that you could go in the darkest recesses of your mind and imagine happening to a young girl or a woman right the way through. I mean, it's just horrendous. When you sit down and have personal interviews with, with the women, you sometimes wonder who's the perpetrator and victim in this equation, I have to say. I do have some women that are bad and need to be in custody, but there are some women that probably need professional help rather than custody. Do you think those bad women that you describe... Surely some pretty horrific things have happened to them and do you think it's just that actually some people have are more resilient and haven't got so bad or what's your take on that from a governor's perspective? I would say that the very small percentage that are bad are givers of trauma and induced trauma in other people. Absolutely, but do you know their trauma histories? Uh, I know some, but some don't have the trauma histories, they're just wrong. But that is a very small percentage. Mm. And you at Drake Hall have been running the healing trauma intervention, which runs over a period of six weeks, for how long now? We've been doing it for over a year now. We introduced being trauma-informed to all of our staff, and the next stage was to introduce it to our women. I was nervous about that. Why? Um, I was nervous because we always have this thing of professional interventions, that you have to be professional to be able to do this and cope with the strains yeah. of what Freak you're going to be exposed. Freak out first, do later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was a ETS tutor. Enhanced thinking skills yeah. when I was a prison officer in the 1990s. So, you know, I had to go on this 12-week intensive course and pass the exam at the end and then have a mentor alongside me as I delivered my first group and all of that sort of, everything videoed. So that was my mindset around any intervention. But this is, we selected um, some really proactive women who volunteered, but we sort of knew that they'd be good because they interact with the women really well. And they became my prisoner healing trauma leads. Right. They've received all of the same training as the staff, so they're really clued up. Yeah, and so their job is to facilitate the groups. That's right. They and so you'd have two residents facilitating the group with maybe 10 to 12 other residents. We tend to have groups of six or eight. Right. Ten was just too much for them to control. Yeah. And that seems really successful here at Drake Hall. 
We've been running that for a year now. We've had 60 women go through. And is it once a week? We do it once a week every Sunday, but we're changing to a Thursday now. So we've, we've changed from uh, doing it on a weekend yeah. where it was more difficult to get people there to its timetabled. It's now part of our interventions that we do here at Drake Hall. Right. Why have you actually decided to put it onto the sort of timetable, as you like, which actually indicates that you, you, know, you take this very seriously and you value it? Well, I value trauma. I've seen the effect it's had on my staff. So why wouldn't it have an effect on the women who are actually really traumatised? Mm. You know, that's who we're dealing with. We've seen my staff having greater understanding, greater foresight and insight into the lives of the women they're dealing with. So having peer-led groups and actually getting to an end game where they are not going into trauma and, and being affected by memories by incidents that trigger trauma and having, if they are triggering trauma, to be able to cope with that, mm. you know, through relaxation, through a, a sort of a sense of mindfulness and everything is really key. Yeah. So it, it, it's got to be a benefit. Um, so what impacts have you seen it have on the prison as a whole, on the staff and on the women themselves? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, those who actually are the leads in healing trauma, confidence has grown massively. Um, and that's a really positive thing. I mean, I've mm. got my, my healing trauma leads call me Carl, not Governor. Not Mr. Hardwick. Mm. And that was a big yeah. step for the prison yeah, yeah, service. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> but the relationship has, has developed. I have to respect them because they're delivering a real service for me. Yeah. So that's really good. But their confidence is massive in that they really believe that they're giving back. They know they've done something wrong, but they are giving back mm. and giving back in bucket loads. They really have a great sense of self worth because they know that they're taking the women on a real journey. And they know that by week six, the women are in a much better place for dealing with their own personal trauma and they've told me how they've really helped certain individuals. They're a really interesting sort of cross-section of my population in a way. I've got one woman who is very well educated, um, had a job with huge responsibility and committed a crime within that sphere but she sees it as giving back and, it, and it's really interesting that she has used it to almost connect with the rest of the population. And she's seen as um, really helpful that way. Mm. She's very organised 
and she tells me what she needs for the groups and I need this stationery yeah. and she organises me as well. So that's excellent, having that quality as a, as a tutor within healing, healing trauma. But not necessarily with a sort of deep, dark trauma history as no, no, such. No, 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 no. No, I, right. I think she comes from it. A, she understands the, um, the value of it and recognises the value. In fact, she quoted the other day that every, she fundamentally believes that every person who comes into the female estate should receive healing trauma. Mm. You know, and that's quite powerful from someone who's seen the journey mm. of those women and she sees that healing trauma is an absolutely key component of helping them cope, not only with custody, but with the life and yeah. what life throws at them. And then I have another trauma lead who suffered massive trauma in the loss of a child, and that sent her spiralling out of control with fraudulent acts. And she came in with almost half a million pounds worth of um, fraud hanging over her, and still is going through all that proceedings of crime, stuff that's going mm. on. But because she recognised that huge moment of trauma in her life, wants to give back. And is a really good lead that way because I think every woman can tie into that child loss moment that mm. she had through very traumatic circumstances as well. So she's an excellent lead that way and a great personality. And really, she's the counter to my other trauma lead in that she's very businesslike and she mothers everybody mm. and wants to care for everybody and shows that and demonstrates that. And then I have another trauma lead who had really awful childhood experiences, was sexually abused by a number of men from the age of nine, turned to drugs as a mask for that huge amount of trauma in her life that she was trying to block out and spent a number of years, over a decade, taking heroin. And of course in that world there's traumatic experiences that came with the world that she was involved in. Mm. She's put that behind her now and is a fantastic trauma lead in that there's nothing that anybody in that room has experienced that she hasn't experienced mm. herself. So the empathy that comes from her it yeah. is just fantastic, you know. What I find so fascinating is across the country, nationally, our mental health services don't address trauma and our addiction services don't address trauma. They say, you have to be clean or sober before we can work with you. What do you make of that? And you will probably run addiction services in this prison. So yeah. how do you make sure if you're pushing with this trauma work that actually the other services are yeah. geared up to be... I mean, I know it's tricky, but, you know... Right, OK. The commissioning model that we have here is mental health and addiction services are one service so that helps I wanted that and commissioners wanted it because actually it's quite trauma inducing going through triple and quadruple sets of interviews about those very issues yeah and how do you separate your mental health from your yeah, addiction yeah. problem because so, actually it's the same so, thing so link, linking those has been really good and that's been a positive thing here also all my partner agents here receive trauma informed training so that's been key in our approach so I think there's an understanding that we need to have that, especially amongst some mental health nurses, addiction services, and that they understand trauma and the journey that we, we take with people. So that, that's been key. And what in your eyes uh, makes a good officer? The ideal prison officer is someone who looks outwards, who fundamentally cares. And I think that's absolutely key. They need to have something that drives them to care for the women in custody and for the men in custody. 
And they also need to have very set boundaries. And that's not that they shouldn't have any flexibility, but they need to know what are the boundaries. Ideally, as a prison officer, as a personal officer to a woman, you want to have a relationship with them and you've got to have the boundaries set so you can have a professional relationship. And, and is any really of that key. reflected in the training currently? Because I would have thought that's a hugely key part of an officer keeping themselves safe to say, look, I am here to help yeah. you get better. I'm here for your rehabilitation. But they need to know where the red lines are and not to give out addresses and be meeting yeah, yeah. up with people once they're out. So does that is that reflected in the training at the minute? That, that happens, and, and that is part of the training. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have prison officers here who do meet up with ex-offenders, but they ask my permission to keep the boundaries set. But if you've taken someone on a real journey and taken them to open conditions and see them get a job, why don't you meet up for tea? Mm. You know, and they ask my permission and they do that. So that's real ownership and they're fine, fine officers. I have no problems with them crossing the line because actually it's all done very professionally but with real ownership, and having that ownership is key. Absolutely, because I can imagine it's it's not a nice thing if these people are forming positive relationships for the first time and be that with their officer, and then suddenly the officer kind of goes, right, that's yeah. it, we can't speak anymore. It's not normal. It's not brilliant. No, yeah. no. You know, I have to keep a balance here because there's so many things that a female officer can do with female offenders, but I do like to have a percentage of male quality role models. Mm. A lot of the women here have had really torrid experiences with males so to have quality role models that are male that do what they say on the tin is really really key absolutely and for those men to realize that actually it could be more problematic for them to be close to a a female resident here just purely because they're a man that's not their fault but if they understand the backgrounds that these women have come from then maybe that's where you can start avoiding those sort of negative behaviors that you might see yeah Carl showed me a magazine that's produced within the prison, Take a Drake. It's been going for probably about a decade now here at Drake Hall. And it's just prisoners doing interviews with staff, uh, stories, crosswords, quizzes, and some serious stuff that we want to get messages over about spice and the dangers of it. Or, you know, when we were were going smoke-free, we had loads of stuff about the alternatives to smoking. They all read it because they all know that I'm a Mormon from the interview that was in there. Yeah, so there's a crossword at the back. There's um, my favourite things that I do with my six-year-old daughter, <laughs> which is colouring in, which is very therapeutic. Yeah. I spent Monday in A&E with her and we did some therapeutic colouring. Um, you've got uh, zodiac signs, the horoscopes. That is a, When we were talking about what's an ideal prison officer, Yeah. this is a prison officer that all the women voted for as their prison officer right so it's quite interesting what they say about her because that reflects some of the stuff that we talk about as a prison officer yeah yeah so one lady says she has supported me when i felt like i was getting bullied and intimidated she speaks to me as a person not a prisoner she is professional in in her conduct yet friendly funny knowledgeable and approachable a lot of staff could learn from her Exactly. It's simple things, isn't simple it? Simple things, you know. Like kind you, of how we'd all want to be treated. Yeah, human elements. Just because you're a prison officer, you're not above it. You just deal with people on that very human I like level. this one. She's 110% <laughs> nuts. She is totally the best. I love her. She is the most amazing personal officer. I love her. That's yeah. incredible, really. Yeah. That relationship is there that someone is willing to use that word. Yeah. It's amazing. 
So as the national lead for this particular work stream on becoming trauma-informed, it's your job and role to sort of push this forward and to get it ingrained in the female prison service across the 12 women's prisons that we have in this country. So in an ideal world, what would you like to see? Where would where should we be in five years' time? Ideally, I'd like... I think every prison officer needs to have the flexibility to be deployed wherever they need to be deployed. So there needs to be a core curriculum of the classic prison officer training. However, beyond that, I would like to see gender-specific training for anybody who's coming to work with women, or specific training, which they do get sponsored by the old YJB and now Children's Services, Youth Justice Board, you know, that they get specific training working with young people. So we should get that training for the female estate. And also, you know, to have trauma-informed training as a key component, because you don't know where you're going to be deployed. And it Whether is useful. Whether it's male estate or female estate. State, you should have trauma-informed training because that's part of your armoury as a prison officer. That professionalises you and gives you a greater understanding of why that person is presenting in that way. Looking beyond that is absolutely key. So the national picture and the sort of the chat in politics is about the fact that 84% of women are in for non-violent crimes, which begs the question, why are they being dealt with in this manner, in such an expensive way that isn't having the results and that they should be dealt with and could be dealt with much more effectively in the community. We've seen that through the women's centres across the country, which are doing an incredible job in hard times. So what's your view on how many prisons we should actually have, if any, in this country for women and maybe what the picture looks like or should look like in the community? There's clearly some women who've done some horrendous things and, you know, we've dealt with them here at Drake Hall. But if we are actually to extract that and really deal with those women constructively, then we could use the money, both in the community and more positively in the custodial setting, if we were to really have a look at the population and look at how we use custody. Within Drake Hall, you know, I have really talented women who act as peer mentors in education because they are more educated than my teachers. And, you know, know, this is a classic case. So they could be giving back safely in the community as part of a community sentence. And ideally, I think we could probably get down to three prisons, one north, one midlands, one south, that would deal with all the women that need custody to keep the public mm, safe. Who might be a danger to themselves or to others. And if we had that concentration, then the services that we could be providing around mental health, physical health, in partnership with, with NHS commissioners, etc., could be more concentrated on those who really, really need that side of it. The, the money saved could then be put upstream, and that would be the key thing, that it isn't just taken and siphoned off but it should be invested upstream to prevent that population reaching the custodial state. Because we know that you, you, you talk to the, a lot of these women, and actually if something had happened at this point to deal with the trauma here, or to deal with domestic violence, or to deal with other issues around addiction, then they wouldn't have reached custody anyhow, because it's just a driving force that takes them to custody. Absolutely, and I think that's where the sort of women's centres are so key to that. Mm. Um, You know, we all spend a lot of time, don't we, um, talking to people in women's centres and talking to women who've benefited from the services and those places save 
even today, so many women yeah. actually coming into the criminal justice system. And if only we could really amp that Upstream up. Upstream it, yeah. Yeah. So how far do you think we are from having a really sensible justice system that works for women? I think we're a way off. I think there's been a sea change uh, of late in attitude. I think that we've been listening to the people who know. I think having a director of custody for the female estate has been absolutely significant I agree. in uh, changing the view and having a more holistic view of the whole of custody. But I do think that that probably needs to be linked in with probation and CRCs as well. And then upstream, it's that upstream bit that hasn't been connected yet. The next battle really is with the judiciary so that we get magistrates and judges understanding that what they're being presented with is not the full picture and understanding that if we could do the work upstream or even direct upstream those women then we potentially would reduce the population quite considerably. Uh, so what you're really saying is that you want to put yourself out of a job and uh, or maybe run a women's centre one day? I'd love to run a women's centre. Um, <laughs> put myself out of a job I think Mrs Harder could have something to say about that yeah. well thank you so much for talking to us it's been amazing thank you next time on Justice Edwina stays near Drake Hall Prison for her next on the road visit Governor Carl introduces me to a great example of how women who have suffered trauma are being helped in Staffordshire when we were looking at the community prisons for women, I got involved with Staffordshire Women's Aid and we looked at the architecture of this new building here. And it's a very clever design. It allows the women who are subject to domestic violence to have their own space with their own children, but also have community areas and have a very secure and safe place to stay. That's next time on Justice with Edwina Grosvenor. The Justice Podcast is brought to you in association with One Small Thing. For more information, go to onesmallthing.org.uk. Justice is an MIM production. For more information, go to madeinmanchester.tv. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.